Hi, my name's Paul Malin. Welcome to the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation. Throughout this series of podcasts, we will consider the beginning, the middle and the end of a tax investigation. During the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation, we'll cover topics such as answering the initial challenge by HMRC, how to work out penalties, and then how to make a disclosure to HMRC. You can contact me for further clarification either on 07979 313 010 or my email address paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode in the life and death of a tax investigation. My name is Paul Malin and today what we're going to be talking about is scoping. What needs to be done? So typically we've got to the stage that the taxpayer has had to admit that something's gone wrong in their tax returns and their past tax compliance. We need to quantify what happened in what year and how much tax now needs to be paid. This may be done by way of a report, in which case we're talking about scoping as to what needs to be written down, in what depth, in what format. It can sometimes mean that you actually work through exactly what the processes are. Not everything is down to facts and figures. Sometimes it just needs to be explained to HMRC as to what goes on and why things are done in a particular way. So scoping. At the start, you need to understand, well, over what period of time did whatever happen? And indeed, sometimes you might find that two years ago, there was one thing going wrong, and four years ago, there was something else. But since then, somebody's forgotten what it actually was. So scoping, you need to understand how far back do we need to go? The tax law, particularly where it's fraud and something has been done deliberately, entitles HMRC to go back up to 20 years in addition to the tax year you're currently in. Not many people can remember accurately what happened 20 years ago. I can't sometimes remember what happened 20 days ago, but you want to make sure that whatever the scope is, it's realistic. It needs to be realistic because you may need to go back to other third parties to get further information to support what's going to be included in the report. For example, bank statements. A lot of banks will refuse to go back any more than six years. So it can be that although the scope of the whole report could cover 9, 10, 11 years, in reality, they can only be supported by bank statements that go back six years. At the end of the day, what else can be done? HMRC don't have any magical powers that can suddenly compel the bank to produce more bank statements for them than they come for me. But it's always worthwhile to make sure that requests for copy documentation, information or whatever, is captured by an email, a letter, simply to make sure that if HMRC need to check, you have asked the right questions, even if you didn't get the right answer from the bank, etc. Sometimes it can be an owner-managed business, by which I mean it could be mum and dad, say, and, and one of the sons or daughters in the business, and the company has got a tax irregularity. So the tax compliance of the company needs to be looked at for say six years, but perhaps maybe the tax affairs of 
mum, dad and daughter also need to be looked at for the same six-year period. What HMRC are often concerned about in that sort of scenario is that the company is incurring the expenditure of an individual that is actually personal expenditure and they're not being taxed on it accordingly. So in terms of that scope, you've actually got four different reports to do. One for each taxpayer, the company, mum, dad, daughter, four in total. It normally follows that the same number of years is done for all four people in that example. Then we come down to the, the nitty gritty, if you will. What was the problem? Was there 10 different irregularities? So perhaps the valuation of stock was incorrectly done. Perhaps the cutoff point for recognizing debtors, creditors, whatever it may be. There could be different elements within the tax compliance of the taxpayer that has to be looked at. Each different element may have a different period. So you might look at debtors for two years, you might look at stock for six years. But if they are related, so for example, the incorrect inclusion of creditors in terms of the stock valuation as well, then it would make sense to make the same scoping period of six years for creditors and stock. But we have to live with the information that we've got. What you don't want to do is to be doing extra work that is unnecessary. Firstly, your client won't like it because at the end of the day, they're going to pay for the work that goes into the report. Secondly, HMRC are like a sponge. To my mind, they just soak up all the information that you're prepared to give them. They won't tell you to stop talking. They'll just carry on listening, reading, writing, whatever it may be. So if you go too far, that information will be put on the HMRC file, often now an electronic file, not a paper file, and therefore stored forever. And heaven forbid, there's a need in 5, 10, 20 years time that one of the same taxpayers has to be looked at again by HMRC. Well, HMRC will go back to, through their records and compare and contrast to make sure that the outcome is in line or the explanation is there to say why the outcome is different to what it was five years ago, 10 years ago or whatever. So you now know how many years, how many taxpayers and what the different areas are. Let's not forget that every taxpayer has a right to confidentiality. So in the example I gave of mum, dad and daughter and the limited company, they may all have input into the report on the company because they all work for the company. But the husband's tax affairs are confidential to the wife and confidential to the daughter. So what you can't do is to repeat certain aspects that are personal to the one taxpayer that are confidential. You have to segregate them and make sure that if they do apply to two out of four different taxpayers, then unfortunately you have to repeat that same information twice to make sure it's in the respective volumes. So if we're talking about a written report, that volume of the report should almost stand alone. So make sure the scoping is right for the number of years, the right number of taxpayers, the elements to be looked at, and ensuring that we've still got taxpayer confidentiality. These reports do take quite some time 
So for example, if it's a fraud report and it's being done under the contractual disclosure facility or code of practice nine, then they can quite literally take months, if not years to finalize. Not because it takes time to get the information together, but it takes time for people like myself, who's, who's external to what's gone on, to understand and capture in the written word and explain to the next reader, HMRC, exactly what has gone on, why it's gone on, why it's only gone on for six years and not seven years, why it only involves two taxpayers, not all four taxpayers, etc., etc. Everybody writes a report in different ways. It's like a long essay that you may have done when you were at school. But when you're at school, there's always a start, middle and an end. And at the end, you tend to summarise what the middle is all about. Again, you've got to put things into different compartments when you're writing the report and scoping the report to make sure that all the elements are covered in that volume, that the elements are introduced, the information is collated, and it's also summarised. Now, again, it's a question of style. My own personal style is to make sure the summary is at the front of the document. Some people might think that's strange, but what most people want is just what is the answer. Do I owe £10,000? Do I owe a million pounds? How am I going to pay it? Anybody who wants to know the detail can read on on page 2, 3, 57 or whatever it may be. But if you just want to know what the final outcome is, I put it right at the front so people find it straight away. But there's no set style that HMRC want to see. They just want the job properly scoped and completed. What we sometimes need to do is to stand back, having written the report, and just say to yourself, does this answer the question? If the question was, how much tax do we owe for the years 2010 to 2015, and your report covers the years 2016 to 2020, it clearly doesn't answer the question. So sometimes having written a report, you need to give yourself time to almost forget the detail that you've written and then find out what the original question was and then make sure your report, the scope is, is correct and you answer the question that was set. If anybody wants to discuss any of the matters raised today, my name is Paul Malin, Paul Malin Consultancy, telephone number 07979. 313010 or paul at pmc.tax. Thank you. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, my telephone number is 07979 313010 or contact me by email at paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening.